We are committed to becoming more, to making more money, to having more opportunities, growing physically and mentally strong, writing our own destinies, fighting and conquering our demons, breaking addictions, facing rejection, conquering our fears, rejecting external validation and the need for acceptance, taking 100% responsibility and complete charge of our lives. I'm John Sanmez and I'm a fucking bulldog. What's up bulldogs? All right, so I have a really special guest today. Uh, someone who I've been following, you know, on on YouTube, just uh, in the fitness community. Someone who I highly respect his advice and opinion, and uh, someone who does his research uh, is and his his name is Thomas Delari. You've probably seen him on either his his channel uh, or uh, his or one of his channels, either Thomas Delari uh, or uh, Six Pack. It's it's Six Pack. Is six it, Pack Abs used to be Six, six Pack, pack abs. Abs. Yep. There we go. Okay, but uh, but yeah. So uh, so Tom's uh, graciously, you know, d d decided to come on the channel after I invited him, and we're gonna be talking about the top five things here that you need to know to get into the best shape of your life. So uh, so welcome, Thomas. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to be here and and chat kind of some uh, different angle of uh, the health and fitness side of things. Like talk a little bit more mindset, and some um, it'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, I I really appreciate uh, the 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 stuff that you've been putting out because it's such you have such well researched you know topics that you talk about and you go into depth and I, I feel like there's not a lot of bro science. There's so much bro science out there on the on the internet today. It's it's kind of confusing for people, but I I always know like when your videos come out that I can that it's going to be something solid that I can I can rely on and and even like I like I love how just recently like you did the the keto the vegetarian or the vegan keto which is like which is really cool because it shows that you're unbiased because you're you're not you know there's so many people that are so like tribal in their in their mentality and fitness but you're like well let's see let's see what works and let's experiment so totally man i mean doing stuff like that i mean self-experimentation is everything because research only goes so far like research we have to remember that like anything you research anything like that it's all still someone else some other human being doing mm -hmm. research and human beings mess up. We're not the end all be all like it's, it doesn't matter. It's just data, right? So it's like the only way that you can ever truly explain something is by self-experimentation and doing it yourself and you know, whatever that perception is reality, right? So it's just, I always take the data and the research for what it's worth to learn something and to see what something probably is in the aggregate. But if I actually apply it to myself, that's how I truly have a real outcome that I can share with people. So it's, it's, it's a blast. And in my opinion, the only true way to actually um, get a point across. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm definitely of the, of the same belief because there's, there's so many things, you know, that, that people tell you, but if you haven't tried it yourself, you don't, you don't know, like you, you can look at all the research and, and, you know, but, but even in research, right. There's always like, it's always like accumulate, uh, it's accumulation of all these people, but there's always like one person in that group that responded differently. <laughs> totally. totally. Right? So you could be that guy. So, Cool. So let, let's uh, let's jump right into um, the the five things here. What's uh, what's your top thing that that you've got for us, or or one of the five for yeah? Uh, yeah. None of these are going to be in any particular order, like one okay. to five. You know, to be completely honest. I mean, some, but the reality is, you know, you put them all together. And I want to start off since this is more of a mindset show. Anyway, I figured I'd start with one that I think is is the most important in terms of developing the right habits and mindset, and that is to artificially create your own habit loop. And that mm. sounds weird. It sounds interesting, but it's quite simple when you really look at it. And I was just talking with a friend of mine about it just the other day. So it's top of mind. And that's probably why I mentioned it first. But the reality is that 
when you look at how a habit loop is formed, like how we actually form a habit, it's pretty simple, right? If we have um, some kind of action or a stimulus that causes us to do something and then we seek a result, right? We seek an outcome. So a habit is formed through a habit loop and it's pretty simple. A simple example would be I like, I walk in the house, I'm stressed out from work. So my stimulus is I, or my trigger is, is walking through the door. The action is I open the pantry and I reach and I grab a tablespoon of peanut butter and the, the overall reward is the peanut butter hitting my mouth and that sense of satiety that I get for a second. It doesn't matter if that sense of satiety is superseded by the fact that you end up uh, feeling guilty about it. It doesn't matter. The habit loop is formed the immediate, the immediate good sensory reaction that you get from something. Uh, same with a cigarette. Okay, you you have a stressful event. You crave a cigarette, so you take a puff of a cigarette. Nicotine hits you. You get a physical response. You feel good. Okay, so what's the problem, and why is it so difficult to create a habit loop when it comes down to like exercise and things like that and eating healthy? Well, the problem is the reason it's hard to make it a habit is actually very physiological and easily explained. Okay, that habit loop that I just explained requires an immediate res uh, immediate result, an immediate result. Right. And when you do anything that is delayed gratification at its very best, then it's going to be hard to physiologically create a habit loop. So people are always saying like, oh, well, you know, delayed gratification, it's a really good thing to be able to embrace delayed gratification. It's true, it really is. Delay if you can understand that delayed gratification is like a very difficult thing to achieve in order to, to understand, it gives you a whole different perspective. So the way that I say like artificially inflate that is you have to give yourself something that allows whatever exercise or healthy choice that you make some kind of instant gratification because otherwise you won't form the habit loop. So right. if you sit there, like if I go, if I'm, you know, I was 280 pounds at one point, but if I was back in my old shoes when I was 280 pounds and I went to the gym and I walked out of that gym and I didn't have an immediate result, of course, I wasn't, that gym wasn't going to be a habit. Going on the treadmill wasn't going to be a habit because I wasn't establishing it as a habit because I wasn't having a good immediate reward. So you have to give yourself some kind of reward in the short term. The hard part is you don't want to give yourself a reward that is something tangible. You don't want to reward yourself with a cookie every time you work out because that's kind of defeating the purpose. But right. you have to give yourself some kind of, and it has to be unique to you, right? It has to be, you know, so a lot of times, you know, what I'll do is, uh, you know, something as simple as I reward myself with taking a half an hour or 20 minutes to go for a walk with my wife after I finish a workout or thing like, like you have to, you have to frame it. You know, it could be very unique to you. But the point is, is that understand that in, you're not going to form a habit loop with working out or you're not going to form a habit loop with eating for a very, very long time. And because yeah. you're not going to eat a stick of celery and immediately have a six pack. So embrace that, accept that. And you know, honestly, that's rule, that's rule number one, in my opinion, if you understand that it just makes getting healthy a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's, that's definitely the, the top one because everyone, it, it's almost like everyone knows what to do. We just can't execute. We can't follow through on it. And and it's because of that, that not having that, that habit and, and building that habit because so much of our life is, is ruled by habit. We don't even we're on we're unconscious of those habits. Yeah. It's funny for me. I do like, I eat one meal a day. I've been doing that for, I think almost four years now. And I don't eat my meal until after my workout. So it becomes, that's sort of the, <laughs> yeah. I'm fasting all day. And so now I know, okay, well, if once I finish this workout, then I can, I can eat my meal. And on the, like the lifting days, I eat my carbs. So I'm pretty excited to eat some rice or mashed potatoes or something like that. So that, uh, that kind of keeps me on, on track, but, uh, but I've been, you know, I've been doing it for such a long time. It's become so ingrained in, in just not skipping a workout, but, uh, but yeah, this is, 
that that's good. I, I, I was thinking as you were saying that too, it's like someone could have a habit. I mean, I always say don't watch TV, but hell, if you're, you could do workout and then watch Netflix or something like yeah. that. And then that would give you something to look forward to and, and have a positive reinforcement. Yeah, totally. And change it up, change up the reward because otherwise, yeah. you know, you don't want to become develop sort of a stimulus response where you like, you just expect to eat celery and immediately have Netflix up here, you know, like change it up. But yeah, you just give yourself some kind of reward so you can at least get a little bit of a habit loop formed. And, you know, that kind of leads into, um, well, it doesn't directly lead into, but I would say that, you know, the number two thing that I want to talk about is related towards having realistic expectations of your exercise, but also being more physiologically conscious of what you're trying to achieve with your exercise. So mm. what I mean by that is like, I see a lot of people that really are, they lose sight of what they're actually after with their exercise, right? They run themselves into the ground or they think that they need to run themselves into the ground and they forget the fact that, and this is really the rule right here, that exercise is a catalyst. The nutrition and the lifestyle does the job, right? So it's exercise is just the catalyst. It's not the bigger part of it. We want to look at exercise as like, okay, what can I do to sort of flip a switch enzymatically or whatever to get the body into more of a healthy state or burning fat, right? People think that like you are only burning fat and you're only losing weight while you're actually exercising. The reality is the exercise itself is doing 10% of the job, but it's right. flipping a switch, okay? It's flipping a switch in your body enzymatically. So, you know, I like to reference it like there's... I'll go complex for a second, but there's some things called mTOR, which stands for you know mammalian target of rapamycin. Basically, when you work out, this switch gets flipped in your body, and it tells your body to go into recovery mode, basically to start rebuilding and repairing and everything like that. So, even if the workout isn't all that hard, it's about the consistency of that and actually consistently putting your body into quote unquote repair mode, so that it actually takes more calories to actually you know, make a process happen. So you end up burning more fat. Um, a good example is, you know, getting the most out of your workouts in short amount of time. So I talk about like high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. People think high intensity interval training needs to be like hardcore one minute on one minute off, like this strategic set time thing. The reality is it's all about how much work can you get in, in a short amount of time and anaerobically being able to say, okay, let me go ahead and do the spin bike for 20 seconds at all out 100% intensity and then allow myself however long it takes me to recover and then right. do it again. Okay. Rather than being like, I'm going to do the spin bike for one minute and then rest for one minute, spin bike for one minute. No, you're going to sprint or whatever for 20 seconds that you're all out because you can't go, go much more right. than 20 seconds. And then you're going to just, if you, it takes you two minutes, great. If it takes you three minutes, great. If it takes you five minutes, that's fine. Whatever's going to allow you enough recovery to go 100%. Um, because that's it in the, the day, it ends up being sort of the aggregate of like how much all out intensity have you been able to do in the shortest amount of time. And you end up, you know, if you end up doing a total of two minutes of all out hundred percent activity, which would be what six rounds of hit 20 seconds, 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah. If you ended up doing two minutes of just straight hardcore hundred percent activity, that's enough of a catalyst to turn your body into, you know, into that fat burning mode. So people think they need right. to go to the gym for multiple hours. And I know this is a kind of a long winded one, but the reality is it's like more about changing, changing the state in which you look at your workouts and changing how you look at the intensity and the time you spend in the gym. Think of it as you're flipping a switch inside your body rather than just actively burning calories while you're working out.
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, cause overall the impact of the calories that you, you burn, I mean, especially when you do the calculation and you, you subtract the resting calorie, like your base metabolic rate from the workout anyway, then I think it's pretty amazing how little calories you burn on even like exactly. an hour long run. But, uh, but that makes sense. And, and I think that's, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because a lot of people don't understand hit because they don't understand the three, uh, you know, energy pathways yeah. and you've got to be hitting that ATP pathway, right. In order to be able to actually, uh, you know, to, to be in hit, otherwise you're, you're, you're the aerobic pathway is, it goes down a, a lot further, I think, than, than, than people realize. Right. So, yeah, totally. It's yeah, exactly. I mean, I think what you're and what you're alluding to, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's like people, they think that if they're breathing hard, that mm -hmm. they're not in the aerobic state, that they're in the anaerobic state. And that's not the case. Like you are in an aerobic. So, and just to clarify for those of you that don't know, like the anaerobic, aerobic whole pathway. So what that means is like we have three different energy systems, energy pathways. We have aerobic, which literally means with oxygen. So that means like we're going at a slow enough pace or a slow enough energy or slow enough rate that our body has time to absorb oxygen, take oxygen in, combine that oxygen with ingredients in our body to ultimately make energy. It's a slow process and it's exactly what provides us energy during aerobics, like going out for a slow run or going out for a little um, walk or anything like that. We're moving at a slow enough pace where the body has time to have oxygen come in, mix it with some good stuff in our body, create some energy and we're off to the races, okay? Then you have the next phase, which is anaerobic, which is where you are, moving at a at a fast enough intensity where the body doesn't have time to take in oxygen and makes this cook this little stew of energy that it normally has to cook it just doesn't have time because you're moving too fast so the body says okay i'm starting to make this stew of energy here but shoot i don't have time so it calls in the troops and it creates a chemical reaction to get you energy really fast and it, get, it creates that chemical reaction from carbohydrates that are stored in our muscles so basically it's the fallback it's like we have aerobic for low intensity but the moment that it starts becoming higher intensity we no longer use oxygen and we start using carbohydrates That's and we're going oh sorry and we're going from fat to to glycogen stores right exactly so, yeah. aerobic uses fat that's why it's great for fat burning anaerobic uses carbs that's why it's great to carb deplete and it's uh, then we got the third pathway, which isn't super important for today's conversation, but it's the creatine phosphate pathway, which is basically what gives you energy for like the first one or two explosive reps or one or two explosive seconds of a big explosive movement. Uh, and the creatine phosphate system is purely it's pure fairy dust. Like it's just like yeah. it's a chemical reaction in our body that gives us a quick burst of energy and adrenaline. And it, it has nothing to do with our carbs, has nothing to do with our proteins, fats, recovery, oxygen, nothing to do with that. It's purely chemical. So. There is a practical application for that, but we save that for another day. The fact is, is that when your people are doing hit, 99% of people that do hit are hanging out still in the anaerobic or in the aerobic slash anaerobic state. They're yeah. not going all the way. Hit should be one of those things that is like 100 or at least 98% anaerobic where you're not getting to a point where your lungs are burning because you're never even getting a chance for your lungs to burn. You're going so all the way out that you just you know fall flat on your face at the end of that 20 seconds. It's high intensity. It should be as high intensity as it can go. If you're getting to a point where your lungs are burning and you're gasping for air, you're in that gray area between anaerobic right. and anaerobic, which there, again, that's, that's why I always say, and I digress, like the 800 meter run or the 400 meter run are like two of the hardest events that you could possibly imagine because you're in that gray area where the body just doesn't thrive on either one. And it's like, it's pure friggin' mental 
grit and horsepower that gets you through an 800 meter run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's definitely good. Good for, for people to know. And, 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 and also just that the emphasis on the, the lifestyle and, and the diet is the thing. Like the, I, I like your, your, philosophy that the the fitness like the exercise is just flipping that switch because i think that if you think of it that way you're not going to try and make up for bad diet with you can't you can't out eat the diet or you can't outwork the diet so yeah you totally can't that's the yeah. thing it's like um so the, and the third tip is definitely going to be more nutritionally related and that you know that's going to be focused on forget what you know about anything that anyone's ever taught you about nutrition. And the point of me saying that is exactly what I talked about at the beginning of this video is it purely is comes down to the individual. Like it comes mm -hmm. down to the individual and some of the more unconventional ways of eating or not eating, you know, like intermittent fasting, right? Like that's, if someone wants to get in the best shape of their life, it is not going to be by eating six times per day or every two hours. Okay. That's right. hard on the body. That's hard on the pancreas. That's hard on the organs. And the reason that I say it the way they say it is because that's what we've been conditioned to believe, right? That's everything that we've ever been taught in the health and fitness industry is eat small meals. So I'm generalizing it by saying, forget everything you know about health and fitness. But the reality is it's more so along the lines of practice intermittent fasting, like really to it. Like if you want something tangible, practice intermittent fasting. It works yep. amazing. You said you do one meal a day. Like that's perfect. That's a form of intermittent fasting. And it's, and I'll get into the details of what it is, but the reality is the reason I stated it the way I stated it is because you're, you're, it's a paradigm shift of how we look at food. Like mm -hmm. we've always been told that if we don't eat, then we're going to store fat because cortisol levels are going to go up and yada, yada. And the reality is when you start looking at the science, you start looking at what really works when you actually go periods of time without eating is when your body can actually burn body fat and your body has mechanisms in place to actually store muscle and make sure you keep it and don't burn it. So I guess what I'm ultimately saying is intermittent fasting may not be for you if you're listening. The ketogenic diet may not be for you if you're listening. The vegan diet may not be for you if you're listening. But one thing is for certain, following the conventional way of just quote unquote eating healthy and eating you know multiple times per day is not going to work. You need to throw that all away and you need to completely look at even the more wacky ways of eating that you thought were totally wacky before. Yeah. Um, but getting down to the granular, if someone's interested in doing intermittent fasting, all you're doing is essentially skipping breakfast. Like you're, you're, I mean, if you can get away with skipping breakfast and allocating your calories to later in the day, some amazing things happen within your body. Your body has no choice but to start dipping into stored body fat. It has no choice but to start elevating certain hormones that cause you to A, store more muscle, but B, burn more fat. But additionally, by simply skipping breakfast, you heighten your cognitive function so you feel great throughout the day. You have more energy. You don't have the blood sugar rises and falls. And then at the end of it, you generally just don't have the capacity to eat or overeat during your eating window. So if you're only eating during a few hour period of time versus spread out throughout the course of the day, simply put, you're just not going to be able to eat as much. And yeah. it's an easy way to calorie control without having to actually sit there and count calories. Because if I go a full day without eating and then I eat dinner, like I'm not going to want to eat 3000 calories at dinner. Like I'm just not, I'd feel horrible. Like I just physically and stomach uh, distensibility wise, I wouldn't have the, like the actual like size in my stomach because the stomach shrinks. So it's, it's just a really interesting way of shifting things. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's going to lead me into my next rule. So I'll save that in just a second, but you know, it's kind of leaning into like how you look at your calories versus day over day versus week over week, which we'll talk about in a second. But I mean, let's talk for a little bit about like, I mean, you're, you're doing one meal a day. So that's mm -hmm. a form of intermittent fasting. Like what does your day look like? Just so maybe your listeners kind of get an idea of what you do there. 
Yeah. So, so mine, well, well, so I did the six meals a day and stuff, you know, doing traditional bodybuilding and, and it was like, okay. I mean, I was able to, you know, obviously a lot of com competitors do that, but it was all my life revolved around was cooking food and, and counting calories. Like, I mean, if you're doing six meals a day, it's unsustainable. Like you cannot yeah. do that. Like you will have to have Tupperware, you're cooking all day. You're, you're cleaning up, you're constantly like setting timers and alarms and, it's just, it's not from a mental standpoint, it doesn't work. Like for me now, what, what my typical day is, and I actually took a little bit of break, but uh, what I do now is I just, I fast until my workout is done, right? So my, my typical week would involve running like 40 to 50 miles a week. Uh, I do marathons. Okay. And I'm, and I, and a lot of people, again, they say, well, how could you possibly eat one meal a day and run like 50 miles a week? You know, I'm 235 pounds. Um, and yeah, I can, I can do that. I can run marathons off of, off of one meal a day. Uh, so I'll, I'll basically like do my workouts. And then right after my workouts, like I, I do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, are carb days. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, when I'm doing mostly cardio, I, I, I keep the carbs down to vegetable carbs. So maybe like 25 grams or less. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right after my lifting, that's when I have, you know, the sweet potatoes or the, the rice and whatnot and it's just the one meal and so it's real simple i don't have to think about food like it's a hard and fast rule one of the things i found was like making judgment calls throughout the day like i have bad judgment everyone has bad judgment like if you have to choose what you're going to eat or like if you don't know it ahead of time if you don't have rules you're gonna you may you may succeed for a few days but you're eventually going to fail and then you're going to fail you're going to fall hard right so just having the rule and just knowing like okay i don't eat until after i work out and that's around, you know, my workouts usually start around three or four o'clock. That that's and that's just my basic protocol. I've been doing it for years now, and I've gotten, you know, before I used to try and cut, and I would cut and I would lose so much muscle, right? I'd go from like 230 or 240 pounds down to like 200, and I wouldn't be as I wouldn't have as much muscle mass that I have now at like 235. But when I cut now, I can actually even gain a little bit of muscle uh, on on this, but. But yeah, so I'm I'm a huge believer because it's you know like I said I've done done it before I've tried everything I'm sure you probably have as well and I get the most because it's not just weight loss right it's the it's the nutrient partitioning it's it's like yeah. what happens like you know are you losing fat or are you losing muscle and for me doing this I lose I lose fat I, I can actually gain muscle while while on a cut so yeah no exactly and it's and that is a perfect segue into actually what I was going to say on this next one which was. Like you talk about the nutrient partitioning, you talk about like when you look at how your calories are partitioned, it's actually just interesting too. Like, so most people look at calories in versus calories out on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. So like, okay, I need to consume X number of calories per day, like 2,500 calories per day. Okay, so there's one major flaw with that. And that's the fact that our bodies don't understand outside of our circadian rhythm, they don't understand like what a day is right right our bodies don't know it's a 24-hour period i mean outside of like a sleep-wake cycle like the caloric energy demand our body doesn't know if it's been a day what's what's the what's to decide if it's 24 hours or 36 hours so we have this artificial sort of man-made 24-hour period that we talk about and we say that we need to consume x number of calories during that period well wouldn't it be the same to either shrink that down or scale it up like for example like if we're concerned about what, how many calories we eat in a day, what about how many calories we eat in a week? Or what right. about how many calories we eat in an hour? Or how many, what about how many calories we eat in a minute? 
And I use this analogy a lot and hopefully I'm not overusing it, but for people that watch my videos, they probably hear it. But you know, at this very second, this literally, like literally this very moment, I'm not eating. So does that mean that I'm technically in a deficit? Okay, but if you were to give me an M&M right now and I were to eat that M&M in the second, the nanosecond that I'm eating that M&M, am I technically in a calorie surplus? I would argue no. I mean, just even, so it's like even, but most, if you follow the typical calories in calories out theory of day over day, then that would imply that if I were to have one M&M at this very second for the, for this second in time, I'm gaining weight, right? You know, it's because I'm in a calorie surplus because I'm currently taking in more calories than I'm burning at that split second. That implies that I just immediately gained weight, you know, however small I'm at. That's just, that. That's so black and white, and that's such a, like a Newtonian physics way of looking at things. Like it's just not. But if we start looking at like how many calories do we consume over the course of a week, that just makes more sense. So who cares if you go 24 hours without eating, but then the next day you're eating enough to make it sure that at the end of the week your net calories are right where they need to be. It's just our bodies burn fat through periods of not eating, not through periods of eating. We don't rev up our metabolism by eating. We rev up our metabolism by having intervals of eating. It's just like high intensity interval training for our bodies. I would rather you go hard and eat hard when you need to eat hard, but then go totally recover and not eat when you don't eat. So, you know, that rule is stop counting daily calories and start counting them weekly. And that's going to change everything that when I explain that to people, when I'm up on stage and I do stuff like that, that's when people just, that's when it clicks for people. That's when people are like, ah, okay, I get it. Like, Intermittent fasting makes sense to them. Ketosis makes sense to them. Everything, all these things that are somewhat taboo for some people because they're aggressive, right? Like, here's the thing. Like, I'm known as a keto guy, but the funny thing is I'm not even a keto guy. Like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I practice keto here and there and I use it as a tool, but it's so funny. Like, I see people, they'll see me in the store be like, oh my gosh, you're the keto guy from YouTube. And you're like, you know, I talk about <laughs> keto, like, I, right. and I do, and I am fascinated by it, but like, I'm not the keto guy. Like, keto is a tool for me. Fasting is a tool for me. Keto is aggressive and it's not for everybody. But it's, it's, and when I say aggressive, it's just, it's aggressive for people to swallow that the concept, right? So it's like, there's a shelf life on how big keto will be able to actually like rock and roll. Like it's not, you know, it's just, it's going to simmer down. So the reality is when you actually like focus on like, okay, what works for you, but focus on the calorie side of things and just then everything's just going to make a little bit more sense. So if you go a day without eating or you go two meals without eating, don't freak out, don't panic count your calories over the course of a week. And I promise you will see better results because it's a lot easier to end up with a 1000 calorie deficit over the course of a week than it is to end up at a 100 or 200 calorie deficit every day. It's just that much easier. And it gives you mental reprieve because you're like, Oh, cool. I could just skip that meal. And all of a sudden I'm in a calorie deficit and I actually lost weight over the, there's 3,500 calories in a pound. All you have to do is, you know, take one day off of eating. And you've lost almost a pound over the course of a week. I mean, that's what's pretty crazy. So, um, so that's tip number four. It's just again another state shift, more mindset oriented than anything. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of of looking at the week too. And and I think also like even if you look at the week, right? It's like people mess up on their diets in a day, and you can't. It's hard to make that up. But if you're looking at the week and it's like, okay, well, you're over calories kind of, you know, for the, you can basically say, okay, well, I can fast day and that'll, you know, that'll give me, I'll be back in line of where I need to be for the, for the week. And, uh, and even, even just the idea that like, you know, the weight, like, uh, you know, one thing that, that I noticed is that sometimes I could be losing fat, but my weight on the scale would go up slightly. 
And it's because if I've actually gained some muscle, then the the glycogen storage of the water that 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 additional muscle, uh, you know, is is actually going to make the weight go up. So it's, it's there's so much focus on on that uh, on the calories and the, not really that our our bodies like yeah. it's almost like continuous compounding, right? It's like it's like totally. our system is always going. It's not like stopping at the end of the day. So. That that makes that, I think that perspective is is what a lot of people need to to understand. Otherwise, you're just like there's no math. It, it's almost like it's like okay, well, my, I I told my body, and people complain all the time. I well, you know, I ate so many calories, and I the scale didn't go down. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah. the reality is either you you know what what's the reality of the situation? If you're if you're not losing the weight, then you have to eat less. Yeah. I, like it doesn't matter if the if the math says that it should be this. The reality is your body is a system and it's going to operate however it's going to operate. You're putting an input in. You see what the output is. Change the input. Exactly. And it's not you know we can't go by dietary guidelines set forth by the uh, Food and Drug Administration and stuff like because it just it just doesn't apply. Like a 2,500 calorie standard just does not apply. And I don't care if people are like you know you could never work out a day in your life and I could never work out a day in my life and we would have different resting metabolic rates and we would require have different energy demands. We'd have different hormonal functions. Then you add exercise into the equation and it just completely throws it aloof. And then you talk about hormones and just like stress level and it completely throws it aloof again. So it's just all over the place. You have to figure out what works for you at that very point in time. I have had at the same weight, I mean, you know, I, I went from 280 pounds, super overweight, down to about 180, 185-ish. I've been between 180 and 185 for, you know, a number of years now, you know, probably five, six years. And it's, I feel good at this weight. But the yeah. funny thing is, is that there's times when, like, my workouts don't change. And I require what seems to be roughly 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day. And mm -hmm. then there's times where I feel like where my body is demanding closer to five. And nothing has changed. Like the workout right. style is the same. It's just you ebb and flow. Things change. Hormones change. Stresses change in your life. Different things. And it's going to demand different things. And there's no amount of research that we could do that would be able to give us a blueprint of what the heck is going on at that point. You know, it's like we just don't know. And so sometimes you can be eating and everything's working. You'd be like, I finally found the groove. Like I finally found it. And, you know, you know next thing you know, you're like, someone throws a wrench in it. it happens to me every single time i look in the mirror and i'm like i think i finally nailed it i think i finally found the perfect balance of training balance of right. diet and this like i'm really liking i'm in really good shape everything is going good and then like two weeks later like i'm doing that and then all of a sudden i'm like what's changing like why am i not in the right headspace anymore why is my body looking different be like i thought i figured it out I'm like oh great because i got to reinvent the wheel again because that's the way life just freaking is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, exactly yeah yeah, it's it's funny too, even just like the you know what you're saying, asking about how hard it is to maintain like a deficit of like a hundred or two hundred calorie deficit because you can be off so much when you're doing that on the daily basis yeah. and you don't even know it. It's so it's so. But if your deficit is based on the week, that's much more easy to control, especially if you're fasting one day. Like you know you didn't take in any calories. Whereas it's like if you're if you're like okay, well I'm trying to do a deficit of a hundred calories per day or two hundred calories per day. It's like, well, if you just mismeasure one thing, or if you don't know the difference between the cooked weight of the calorie, you know, of of this chicken breast versus the uncooked, and you use the like, you you could just be right there, and and you could be doing all this work and all this effort and get nothing out of it. Yeah, no, it's such a solid point. And I've kind of alluded to that in videos before, but it's almost like I need to make a like a clear video specifically on that because that alone is such a solid concrete piece that it's just like the variability or the just the the concreteness of what you're doing is just so much more 
it's so much more clear. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, you know, trying to trim 100, 200 calories off. I mean, that's detail work. That's like finished carpentry versus like yeah. actually like building the house. Right. So it's like, it's, do you want to build the house or do you want to start work? Like, what are you going to start with? Don't start with the detailed carpentry. Don't start with like carving out the cabinets and doing the staircase. Like start with actually building the house. I guess in the certain way of fat loss, it's kind of the opposite, but um, you know, you, you're thinking just that's like, why would you start by trying to trim these little teeny details? It's like when you get your body to where you want to be roughly, then you can get down to the detail work. And then you might be able to start worrying about trimming hundred calories here, 50 calories there. But generally speaking, you need a pretty radical shift. And most of the people that I talk to that are trying to get in shape, whether they're five pounds overweight, 10 pounds overweight, or hundred pounds overweight, they still need a pretty radical shift exactly. um, in what they're doing. And trimming hundred calories just ain't going to cut it unless you are like an elite athlete already that knows your body inside and out. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen him, the snake diet guy, the Cole, yeah. Cole Robinson. Yeah. I, I don't agree with everything he says. He does some crazy stuff like drinking his own urine and eating rotted liver and stuff. But, but I, I do like his general philosophy of like, just telling people like, stop eating. Right. It's like, that's an extreme shift. Like if you do that, you will definitely lose fat and you will like get it. You know what I mean? It's, it's maybe not the, uh, again, like I said, I don't agree with everything he says, but yeah. at least like, I think that's a better message than the message that, that most people are getting from their doctors and, and dietitians and stuff where it's, it's just, it's not going to work. You know, yeah. we're trying to find a, everyone's trying to find a loophole. Like they're trying to find like, how do I have my cake and eat it too? And like, yeah. the fact is, is that there's always a, like, I would say that with intermittent fasting or any kind of is the literally probably the easiest way to have your cake and eat it too, because you have more flexibility with it. You know, you probably could eat the cake if you just went through a time period of not eating it. But the reality is, is that doing things that suck mm -hmm. a lot of times get you results. Exactly. Yep. And like, I wish that I could say that it's the easiest thing in the world. But the p fact is, if you can just understand, like doing things that suck really end up helping you and nothing good comes out of anything easy or complacency. Right. Cold, shower, cold showers friggin' suck. Like I don't like taking a cold shower, but there's benefits there and there's benefits physiologically, but there's also a benefit simply because taking that cold shower sucks. And when I face things that suck, I become stronger. And I, and so in like, when you're hungry, when you're fasting, when you go periods of time without eating, yes. Is it somewhat hard on your body? Hell yes, it is. But that hellish period of time is actually when your body is burning the most fat. When you have the sensation of hunger is when your hunger hormones are doing their work to actually try to recruit fat cells to be used for energy. So hunger is equated with fat burning. So even though you're not necessarily always hungry when you're fasting because you do adapt to it, it's okay to embrace that hunger. That's your body's way of telling you, hey, you're rocking it right now. Like you're, you're my body, you're having to burn stored energy because you're out of exogenous energy. Um, so it's really just, yeah, that's, that's crucial. And doing, I, I try to make a mantra for myself of like doing th three different things that suck each day, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. like, so I've kind of like, I thought about writing a book just that said, that's literally called I suck. Like, <laughs> because I'm like, that's yeah. like, you know, and I've even started putting some work into that because that's like it. Like you just you gotta do things that are tough. And you can get strategic about it and just yeah. have some grit and it's amazing what it does. And like I was a, you know, before I was super overweight, like I ran my first marathon when I was 11 years old. So I was like, uh, like really, my mom pushed me really hard in that world. And I, 
And I mean, I've talked to therapists about this. Like, why do I like have such an addiction to this kind of almost pain in a way? And then it's a lot of it's like you as a marathoner, you know that when you're an endurance athlete, like you know when you go out on a run, it's just common knowledge and you're at peace with the fact that you're going to be coping with pain yeah, for a pretty exactly. extended period of time. And I always say that like, even as myself as more of a strength athlete now, like I still love to go out, like I went out for you know a nine mile run this morning. Like I love it. I still love to run. The fact is, and I don't want to digress is that like endurance athletes seem to have the most undeniable grit of any people that I know. And they get the short end of the stick because people will be like, oh, they're skinny, they're runners, they're this. And they're like, yeah, that skinny runner could mentally outwork a lot of people that mm -hmm. I know. Yep. And it's, and so it's just wild because, you know, therapists have talked to me. I've talked to lots of psychologists about this and it's pretty interesting. It's just like, you know, you've had the ability to like overcome pain through endurance work and it's allowed you to be able to have success in other areas of your life. And that really just rung true with me. It's like, you know, you and as endurance athlete, you get it. So it's like, do things that suck, understand that it's going to suck. Being hungry when you fast is going to suck. Yeah. In the long run, it makes it easier. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, uh, I actually have a, a saying, I always say, do one thing that you hate every day, right? Cause people say, do something that you fear, but I feel like doing something that you hate or doing something that sucks is, is better. Cause you have to develop that mental toughness, that, that stoic uh, type of mindset. I was, have you ever, have you read, um, David, Go I've got it somewhere on here. David Goggins book, the, um, you know, David Goggins, so, uh, no. you'd, yeah, you would you would love his his book can't hurt me if you haven't read it already. But okay, cool. It it's it's really good. It's 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 about that essentially. Like he did that Badwater race. Uh, I think he's done it like two or three times. That Badwater uh, uh, Ultra, and it's yeah. crazy. You know, 135 miles through the desert and up the mountains, and and just like the, the kind of stuff that he's been through. But that it's it's such an important lesson. I think people are so trying to avoid pain. But even like I mean, even like in business, right? I mean, uh, a lot of people probably are like, oh, yeah, you know, these guys they make YouTube videos and whatnot. But fuck, <laughs> I'm sure that there are days you wake up and you're like, I do not want to make another damn YouTube video. Like I don't feel like it, right? It's like you've got to grind it out and go through that pain and uh, you know whatever it is that you want that's good in life. If you're not willing to to accept pain, you're just not going to get there. Yeah. And it's so simple. Like that's the thing. It's like, you know, it simply is that it's like, if you could just flip that switch, you know, then, yeah. yeah. And it's, and then I know, um, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I want to go ahead and like, I want to end with what I think is probably the most powerful, maybe not the most important. And it's something that you alluded to. And that is always have a plan, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, always have a plan. Even if it's your own self-written plan, just yep. have a plan. And to add on to that, write your plan when you're at your most weak state, when you're in your weakest, not when you're at your strongest. Because when you're at your strongest, you write you write plans that aren't, I don't want to say aren't realistic, because you can sometimes write like overzealous plans that actually strive, cause you to strive for more. But if you write a plan when you're exhausted or you write a plan at the end of the day, you're going to be, you're going to prioritize things more. And the yeah. reason I say that is simply like, the minutia of the day isn't going to become important. You're not, when you have high energy and you're writing a plan, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. Then I got to take care of this big project, but I'm also going to take care of this. No, when you do it, when you're tired, you know, what's important, you know, right. what's still in your head when you're tired is the most important. And it also gives you a chance to truly reprioritize if you need to, if at the end of the day, you're tired and your workout or your physical health or your physical fitness isn't on your list, then you know where you need to re you need to re reprioritize because you know consciously things that are good that you should be doing, but then you know that when you're tired, they may go by the wayside. So you're like, I'm going to write down, you know, it allows you to keep yourself from getting lazy because you'll, you'll never let yourself live it down. Like, yeah. so I go home, 
I have dinner. I'm tired. I practically fall asleep when I sit on the couch for 15 minutes. You know, I can't even stay up for one episode of the office with my wife. And she's always like wanting to beat my ass about it. But <laughs> then before bed, like I write it down. I write exactly down what I'm going to do the next day. So I literally yep. practically fall asleep. And then I write down my next day. And then I like, I wake up in the morning and be like, this is first of all, totally doable. But second of all, like it feels like the priorities are just aligned properly. And yep. all the minutia and all the bullshit of the day is now at the bottom of my list. And if I get to it, I get to it, but it's not the important stuff. Yeah, I love it. I agree 100%. If, if I had the choice between having iron discipline or a plan, I would choose a plan because yeah. the plan is going to say, I mean, heck, the, the, the most out of shape, most undisciplined people in the world, they get a marathon training plan. And if they, all they got to do is follow the plan, they, they run 26.2 miles. Whereas I have never, ever in my life seen someone that just said, I'm just going to see if I can run a marathon and just started quote training for it and, and made it like, I'm sure there's, there's probably people have done it, but I've never seen someone do it, yeah. but I've seen the, the fattest, fattest, laziest person just have the marathon training plan and just stick to the plan and just do what they're supposed to do and get there. And so, yeah, I, I planning a hundred percent agree with you on that one. Yeah, totally, man. It's, it's what it comes down to. And I could probably go on on another 10 or 15 of these, but you know, the reality is I had to pick five and yep. I try not to put them in any particular order, but but yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like you, you, this is all about having a radical shift in how you look at your health and fitness, especially as we get into getting close to bathing suit season where people are starting to, you know, starting to become top of mind for people like, okay, how do I get yeah. into it fast? But how do you do it with sustainability and true longevity? Well, thanks, Thomas. I really appreciate it. And I, I like how you took the the mental, the the mindset approach here uh, to, to answering these questions. Uh, so, so guys, uh, you know, definitely subscribe to Thomas's channel if you haven't already. Like I said, one of the best uh, you know, channels. I, I I almost like equated like if you guys are watching Athlean-X on the on the lifting side, you should be watching Thomas on the on the on the diet and nutrition side because the, these guys, you know, both very well researched. So you know, uh, I can't say enough good things about. Uh, obviously, you've gotten a lot of value, hopefully, from from what Thomas has said here. So uh, where should where should where should we send them? Where's where's the primary call to action that you want people to go, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, always the YouTube channel, but I mean, thomasdelauer.com is where people can find me. You know, you can opt into my opt into my email list there. You can subscribe to my channel there. It's kind of an epicenter for everything. So um, that's the simplest, easiest place for people to find me. Okay, awesome. Go to thomasdelauer.com. I'll put a link up in the cards here, and I'll also put a link in the description. So go check it out and uh, leave a comment. And let us know uh, what, what you thought of this. And uh, yeah, thank, thanks a lot, Thomas. I really appreciate it. You bet, John. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, take care.